0: This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about real-world leadership solutions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. My passion is to help leaders lead more effectively. Welcome to today's show. You're listening to episode number 13. Three- tips for leading people through change. I have to tell you, if you're a leader, you will deal with change. You will have to lead your people through change. And if there's one thing I've learned about people, they don't like change. People love the familiar and they are afraid of the unfamiliar. So in today's show, uh, it's actually the first of a two-part show on change management. I actually have six tips. I'm going to give you three today and three on the next show. It's such a huge topic. So today I'm going to cover the These three tips, the first three, and then give you some great quotes on change, some real practical insights that I have experienced in my long history of uh, leading organizational change, and then some practical suggestions for you. But before I do, I want to make a couple of personal comments about some things that have been going on in, in our life. And also an aha moment I had uh, just a couple of days ago about a previous podcast and a kind of a new insight. On a personal note, our daughter Cambria got married over... Uh, Uh, just a couple weeks ago to a wonderful man, Max. So a shout out to Cambry and Max, who are uh, uh, on their honeymoon right now as I'm recording this podcast. We had an amazing uh, wedding here in Colorado. I officiated at the wedding. That was very cool. Everybody wanted to know, well, Hans, did you cry? Giving away your daughter in marriage. We have three sons and only one daughter. And uh, no, I did not cry. (laughs) I guess everybody was kind of hoping I would break up. The funny thing is that uh, my daughter had... 11 bridesmaids and 11 groomsmen. Have you ever seen such a huge wedding? It was a beautiful outdoor wedding in the woods and all three of my sons were part of the wedding party and at one point uh, the groom was standing up there bawling and my three sons were all uh, in various states of weeping or crying and it was yeah, not me, not hard-hearted Hans. It's not that I'm hard-hearted, it's just that I'm pure German. And uh, the funny thing is my daughter is so much like me, Cambria, and uh, she didn't cry either. But Max is so much like my wife, Donna, and he just he just sobbed the minute he saw me bringing my daughter down the aisle. So I just have to say that was very cool, a very cool journey in our family, and uh, we're excited with them there with a group called YWAM, and they'll be living in Cape Town, South Africa, doing some really good stuff down there. The other thing I want to mention is a little insight I had about affirmation. If you happen to have listened to podcast number seven, Uh, It was called uh, is affirmation in your leadership arsenal and just how important it is to uh, to be affirming to people in in, as part of your leadership, you know, when they deserve it and everybody needs a good pat on the back. And I've always sort of uh, just assumed that um, women are much better than this than men are. Women by nature are more nurturing than men. You know, there's a lot of proof to that, a lot of uh, just uh, observation that we know that but uh, I was uh, I ride my mountain bike a lot for exercise here in Colorado when the weather is good and two days ago I have this route that it's about 10 miles I leave from my driveway here and I basically go uphill for two and a half miles to the top of a mountain and then uh, there's a lot of cool single track back there and then I it's about a 10 mile 10 and a half miles uh, from out to, to come back to my house and uh, at the At the last half mile of the first two and a half mile, which is pretty well uphill, is a very steep section, and I call it Heartbreak Hill, and and it's right next to the high school where uh, our kids all went to high school, and it just so happens, school's back in session, uh, athletics are going, everybody's running track, and, and as I was just plowing my way up this hill, there were Patches and bunches of high school kids that were coming down the hill and they they were running track. You know, they were out doing their exercise on this uh, beautiful trail up there on top of this mountain. The name of the high school is Mountain Vista. Okay, so every single group of guys that ran past me going downhill while I am just sweating and slugging and grinding my way up this very steep uphill, they totally ignored me. Didn't say a word to me, didn't even look at me, just boom. Every pack of girls, there were at least one or two of them who said, Hey, way to go. Keep it up. You're doing super. You know, I just thought, well, that was kind of encouraging. Not a single guy said a word to me, but these girls, just on a regular basis as they went past me, were encouraging me. So, hey, affirmation is a should be a part of your leadership arsenal and my observation is that women are much better at this than men are so men let's step it up. Okay, let's talk about three tips for leading people through change. I don't know if uh, this is a topic that interests you, but I guarantee you no matter what you are doing in your leadership, no matter whether you are in a middle management situation or you're in the top leadership team or you are the leader of your group or you're the pastor of your church, I know that you're trying to get your people to change because we live in a world of change. Anyone in leadership has to change things. The only constant is change. And change is accelerating, in my opinion, due to two things, globalization and the Internet. You know, we are now plugged in to the entire world through globalization and through the Internet. So, you know, trends used to take months or years to impact our organizations, our ministries, our companies. But today it's instantaneous. All of a sudden, a massive change in our industry and what we do can just uh, reset everybody to zero and change change the game, game changer. So we live in times of dramatic change, and uh, I don't think it's going to slow down. It's hard for me to imagine it's going to speed up, but you know, just by virtue, uh, you know, just recently, I, I have Comcast for my cable, uh, internet, telephone, you know, Wi-Fi, everything, and uh, just recently they just upped my speed over 50. And uh, wow, it is fast. And and, you know, it's going to get faster and faster. And it's going to get to where we can download a movie instantaneously. Well, you know, there's a lot of good to that. But it's also it just accelerates the speed of change. We live in times of change. One of my most favorite quotes on change. I always like to give you quotes in my podcast. I'll give you a couple at the end, but um, here's my uh, one of my two all-time favorites, and it's by Robin Cook, who's actually an author who's written a number of great books on fiction, which I've, I've read all of his books. I love his stuff. I found this quote in the book Abduction a number of years ago. In times of change, Learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. You know, that's such a great quote. I'm going to give it to you again, just in case you didn't get a chance to write it down. And as always, all the good stuff that's in my podcast is also in my show notes on my website. You can go to leadershipanswerman.com. In times of change, learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. People used to ask me all the time in my uh, journey of leading my people, my troops through change, they say, well, are we done yet? Kind of reminds me when we were um, raising our family and, and everybody that's raised kids, and you've been on a road trip with your kids going to see grandma and grandpa whatever. What is it that kids always say after about a half an hour when you're going to be in the car for eight hours? Are we there yet? (laughs) Never fails. Well, people who are in the process of being led through change always ask the question, are we done yet? Well, it's a good question. And why are they asking that question? Because they love, you know, people by nature love to go back to a steady state of the predictable of constant. And, and, you know, and okay, so you've, you've convinced them you need to change some things, but they're ready for that to be over so they can get comfortable with the new set of reality and relax and settle back down. We like to be in a settled state. So when people ask me, are we done yet? Unfortunately, the, the answer is no. We will never get there because the world keeps changing. And I'll unpack that a little bit more in this podcast and also the podcast next week. We live in a world of constant change. One thing that I strive for in, in what I do is to create a culture of resilience. Now, resilience means flexible. If you can imagine a really, uh, the difference between a cue ball and a squeezy ball. You know, a cue ball is hard as a rock, hard as marble. But if you've ever had one of these little um well, let's take a racquet ball, for example. It's squeezy, you can you can mold it, you can shape it, you it's pliable. And uh, that's the kind of uh, culture we need in our organizations, in our churches, in our ministries. We need a pliable culture that is flexible. So that's what I have uh, tried to do in in the organizations that I've led, create a resilient culture. So when people ask the question, are we done changing, the answer is no, no, we'll never be done changing. We have to be resilient it's like a tree. You know, The uh, today as I'm uh, doing this podcast, we've got a lot of storms here in Colorado and the trees are bending. And you know why they're not breaking? Because they're alive and they're resilient. What happens to a tree when it dies and the wind blows very hard? Crack It cracks. So the key to a resilient organization is to be flexible and to build flexibility in. Uh, Speaking of flexibility, I wrote a book a number of years ago about change. I was so immersed in change, and I I inherited an institution that was 50 years old when I became the leader, and I was 40 years old, and I inherited a 50-year-old organization. I always like to say any 50-year-old's got issues. And so I was asked to turn this thing around, and some of you are in a turnaround situation situation in your church, in your ministry, in your company, in the place that you work, you need to change things. Uh, you're you're uh, being victimized by institutionalism and being uh, driven by policy instead of passion. So that's kind of the situation I was at. So I wrote a book called Change is Like a Slinky, and it's still out there. And if you uh, are interested, it's kind of my journey of learning how to change things. And why a slinky? Well, think about it. I When I grew up, I just loved slinkies. And, and I thought about the characteristic of a slinky and how much that's like change now what do you do with a slinky well you know there's the first thing you do is you hold one end in each hand and you know you do your hands up and down and you just get this cool wave between your two hands with the slinky but Every kid that owns a slinky, what they do is they want to send it down the stairs. Well, as you send it down the stairs, it has a lot of characteristics of leading change. Uh, For example, it makes a lot of noise, and leading change makes a lot of noise. Number two, it is uh, very unpredictable where it goes, nobody knows. And I've observed this about, you know, when we try to change things and we began, uh, you know, proposing a change to, uh, this or that or the other, whatever in that needs changing, I guarantee the ultimate outcome will never be what you've thought it would be, and in fact, the best change programs are flexible, and in the middle, you realize you have to constantly (laughs) reboot, uh, reconnect with the people, and figure out new directions, so you're constantly adjusting as you go. It's uh so there's uh, if there's one thing again that's uh sure about change uh, is that it's a it's a constant process. So a Slinky goes down the stairs, you don't know where it's going to go, you it's making a lot of racket. You don't know where it's going to end up, you don't know what's going when it's going to finish. There's no way to predict in some change programs when you're going to be done. So think about it. If you're interested, you may want to Get a hold of that book, Change is Like a Slinky. Well, let's get to the three tips on how to lead people through change, how to survive change. And let me just say, uh, as I think about change in the future, my greatest fear has always been to be irrelevant. And irrelevancy is a much bigger risk than inefficiency. We can become very efficient at doing things that are completely irrelevant. And I've used this illustration before of some of the old technology that I have in the basement of my house. I've kept a number of, uh, you know, I have like the original Palm Pilot. I've got the original Motorola brick uh, cell phone, and I have an IBM Selectric typewriter. Whenever I think about that typewriter, I think I could plug it in and it would work just fine. It works but it's obsolete. You see, sometimes irrelevancy is a bigger risk than inefficiency. Uh, I could be, my Donna used to be a wizard at this typewriter, and she could be very efficient at uh, typing on it, but it's irrelevant because we live in the computer age. So let's talk about a couple of change axioms before we get to the first tip. Change is about taking people from point A to point B. And if you look at my blog, you can see that I have uh, shown you these two uh, point A and point B. How to go from one place to another? You can go on a straight line, or you can go on a curvy line. We leaders are always trying to take people to a better B. Now the reality is, is we don't have the luxury of just having one project that we're working on at one time. Leading change, we have a whole bunch of A's and a whole bunch of B's. We have little A's and we have uh, big A's. We have little B's and big B's. In other words, some things that we're trying to do are huge. Like when I led my organization through a name change, that was massive. But if I'm talking about changing the carpet in the building, that's small. But every one of those things is a process of leading people from point A to point B. And I'm amazed at how people can get amped up. In fact, one of the last things I did, uh, before I left my uh, last post was, uh, we decided to paint all the walls in the building because, uh, we have a beautiful building, but all the walls were white. Well, I, we worked on a project of putting beautiful photographs all over the building of, uh, places we worked around the world. And then I decided with the building manager, we were going to do a bunch of beautiful accent walls, uh, just with some really bright, beautiful colors. And, uh. Man, you would have thought we incited a revolution. People got so upset about the uh, colors (laughs) we chose. (laughs) And we even had to, we changed some walls and finally we just said, okay, And you folks in this area, you tell us what color you want. And it all worked out good, but I was just amazed. Uh, In my years of uh, leading change, I changed just about everything. Uh, Organizational chart, marketing plan, brand image, mission, vision, values, board structure, leadership structure, location, building, name. And the last thing on my list is culture. One of the greatest challenges to change a leadership culture, an organizational culture. And I've got a lot of experience in all those. What have I learned? I've learned three tips for leading people through change. Number one, the, God is the ultimate change agent. That's tip number one. Recognize that God is the ultimate change agent. You know, I believe that God created the beautiful world in which we live. And, it, and I'm just marvel at how creative he is. And I'm always uh, puzzled by people who are in ministry or in church work who are boring. You know, I don't think we have any excuse to be boring. We should be massively creative because we serve a creative God. And I've traveled over 100 countries around the world, and I've always been amazed at how God is still cooking up new faces and new fingerprints and new voice prints and new eyeballs. Everybody's different. Over 6 billion people on planet Earth. And as I look at the beautiful faces and the the creativity, I just think, wow. I serve a creative God, and I should be creative. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but I believe that God has his own change plan. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says we are all being transformed into his likeness. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Matthew 18.3, Jesus said, unless you change and become as little children, you can't enter the kingdom of god first corinthians 15 52 we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in the future so i think we need to remember that god is the ultimate change agent and and we should not be boring in any way shape or form okay number two my second tip is that change is urgent change is urgent you know we just can't sit around on our hands and say well you know we should change some things but ah, you know i'm not willing to pay the price i remember sitting down with a pastor a few years ago had lunch with this guy man his church was on a death spiral you know there'd been a time when they were up to a thousand people now they were down to a hundred and uh as i prodded and poked and asked questions over lunch, I realized, you know, this guy knows that things need to change, but he doesn't have the stomach for it. And I thought, that's interesting. He is, um, he is presiding over a death spiral of an organization that is going to go out of business. Well, it may limp along for a long, long time, and unfortunately, nonprofits and churches can limp along for a long time, being completely irrelevant and ineffective. And sometimes it just takes a few donors or a few legacy gifts to keep going. Man, I just think that's a crime. So change is urgent. Let me just read again this quote by Robin Cook. In times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. The world we deal with is always changing. As I'm recording this, it's the year 2013, and you might be listening to this in 2014 or 2015, and if you do, then you'll realize, wow, things are different than when he was there. But I think back to the year uh, 1993, you know, 20 years ago, 2003, or maybe 40 years ago, 1973, I actually still remember that and how different the world was. You know, the world we live in is constantly changing. And sometimes your past success can be your greatest roadblock to future effectiveness because what worked back there doesn't work today. Things that worked perfectly 10 years ago will not work today. We live in times of dramatic change, and so we have to adjust. Now, let me just say there are things that never change like uh, there are timeless principles that shouldn't change or values of your organization or what you stand for. Or the, the core business you're in uh, should never change. Uh, for example, if you're a church, you're a ministry, and, and the Word of God is your message, well, that, that should never change. You know, the message and, and the Bible and, and what you believe about the Bible, but what should change is the delivery system. One of my greatest illustrations of is the Jesus film. Paul Eshelman created that almost 30 years ago, and the Jesus film has been used to share the story of Jesus with more people on planet Earth than any tool that has ever been devised. It's a method of delivering a timeless message, and there's a great example of how your your message doesn't change, but your delivery system and your methodology changes. We live in times of dramatic change, and with all these changes of globalization and the internet. The good news is we have all these great new ways. In fact, there's an app now, the Jesus Film app, which is just amazing. It's free and you can download this thing and it shows you a, a map of the entire world and little red dots on every language and culture where the Jesus Film has been translated into the local language. And if that's not cool enough, you can click on those dots and bring up the Jesus Film and video clips and highlights in that language so you can be sitting there driving around uganda in a taxi and say hey you want to watch a little bit of the jesus film in your own language see that to me that is uh, adapting your methodology it is so cool the danger of not changing My friend Henry Kissinger, I love his quote, For any student of history, change is the law of life. Any attempt to contain it guarantees an explosion down the road. The more rigid the adherence to the status quo, the more violent the ultimate outcome will be. We live in times of change, and the second tip is that change is urgent. So don't try to contain it or or ignore it or hide it or pretend it will go away that things will be okay okay, Uh, if we're leaders, we have to lead in efforts of change. So the third tip is lead change with vision. We just recently celebrated the uh, 50th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr. And I was thinking about how he led change in American society with vision. He did not say, I have a plan. <laughs> I love that. He said, I have a dream. And leaders lead change by painting a better future, by painting a better B. You see, we're always trying to take people from point A to point B, but you have to paint a better B with vision. And that's the third principle lead change with vision. Vision, you need to build excitement for a better be. Leadership is all about the future. I've shared in the past how my father and his boss Werner von Braun decided they could put a man on the moon, and they cast a dream and John F. Kennedy bought into that dream and he said, "We will put a man on the moon before nineteen seventy and they did it, and it was fueled and driven by a dream. All great change efforts that succeed are driven not by plans, but by dreams. I love what Bill Hybels says about vision. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion in people. You see, there it is, that vision factor. And again, Andy Stanley. Vision is a clear picture of what could be fueled by the conviction of what should be. One of the things you do is you're, as you're casting vision for the future and, and, a, and a change is to create a case for change. And the bigger the change, the more I would recommend you actually put it down on paper. A case for change is the rationale you articulate to explain why things are broken, how things are not working right, and the urgency of the risks if solutions are not addressed. It's the first homework of any change agent. And the bigger the change, the bigger the case for change must be. I love what Stephen Jobs says about the future. Our job is to read things that are not yet on the page. That's leading people through change. Well, those are my three tips that I share with you today on leading people to change. And in my next podcast, I'm going to pick up where I leave off and go with number four, five, and six. But I want to remind you as we finish today, I want to give you, a, first of all, if you enjoy the show, man, I would love it if you'd go to iTunes and search for leadershipanswerman.com and uh, that podcast and give me a good rating. It will help spread the word about my podcast. Uh, I would really love it. Or if you could tweet about it, that would be awesome. And again, the show notes are at leadershipanswerman.com man.com. I want to leave you with the quote of the show today. Uh, This is from Robert Jarvik who invented the artificial heart. It's about leading people in change. Leaders are visionaries with a poorly developed sense of fear and no concept of the odds against them. Because when I pick up in my next podcast, I'm going to go to principle number four, the fourth tip about leading people through change. And that is people always resist change. The book that I would recommend to you today is uh, Change is Like a Slinky by Hans Finzel or anything by a guy by the name of Cotter. Cotter is an amazing writer on change, and anything he's at the Harvard uh business school. Anything by John Cotter. Leading Change is one of his best books, but anything by Cotter, I guarantee you uh, is the best thing out there on change. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. Please send me your leadership questions that I can answer on a future podcast. And I would love to have you sign up for my email updates at leadershipanswerman.com. Remember that Every follower needs a healthy leader. Keep listening and learning and go out there and make a difference with your leadership.